Cool. There we go. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Um, I should probably just say that to myself because you guys were all back last week. Um, my wife and I had some extended time uh, with the family, of course, um, in Port Alfred, which is lovely, but it's very far for those who've driven it. 11 hours um, with a diuretic and vomiting child is, makes it even longer. Um, but we are back in one piece and um, have had a really good rest and so trusting uh, that God would do mighty things amongst us as liberty. Um, are you full of faith for the year? Yeah, sort of, kind of. Okay, good. Uh, we're going to look at Colossians 1 this evening um, and trusting that it will encourage us and just help set our sights um, for this new year. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians 1, verse 3 to 14. Uh, it will be up on the board, but you're welcome to follow through uh, in your Bibles. So Colossians, in essence, is uh, divided up into four parts. Um, very simply, there's a greeting, a thanksgiving, and a prayer from Paul. Uh, part two, he talks about the supremacy of Christ and his own ministry. Part three, he talks about his concern for the church, that they remain free in Christ. Uh, he then ends off with a call to holy living, uh, which is really our correct response to understanding what Jesus has done in our lives. And so we turn to verse three, and it goes like this. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world and at Sunsurf, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Really beautiful passage. I've been, I don't know about you, but just reading that you get encouraged, uh, even if you don't dig into it yet. Uh, but Paul, just this incredible prayer and desire for the church uh, as he writes this. Um, and so in the first verse of verse 3, we see that in our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. And so what we see in Paul's prayer for these saints is two things. He prays that that he's heard and is grateful to God for their faith in Jesus Christ and for their love that they have for the saints. And that really is a summary of our lives as Christians, right? That we grow in faith in Jesus, which really in essence is a description of loving God um, and loving others. That's, that's the call that we have as believers of Jesus. And so his prayer and his gratitude to God for this bunch of people is that they're growing in this faith in Jesus Christ and in this love for God. But faith in Jesus is more than just, uh, as Mick was saying, just saying, I think I'm a Christian. Uh, what it really means is that there's a trust and a belief that Jesus is God, right? It's saying, yes, you are God, 
Uh, it is later on, and we sang it this evening, uh, but later on uh, in Colossians, it's, it's believing that he is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, that in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven, whether in heaven or on earth, by making peace through the blood of his cross. So, so having faith in Jesus isn't just, I uh, heard the story about this guy, but it's believing this. It's believing all these gospel records of this God who came down to earth, was incarnated into human form, who lived the life that we should have lived. He then died the death that we should have died. He then gets resurrected by the holy power of the Holy Spirit. He then ascends to the right hand of the Father, where he has given all authority in heaven and on earth, and he rules and reigns. And that is what it means to have faith and to believe in Jesus. It is confessing with your mouth, as Paul wrote elsewhere in the scriptures, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. It's not a, a vague understanding. It's an understanding that there is salvation in no other name but Jesus. No other name has been given to mankind by which we may be saved but Jesus. And so it's to believe in Jesus is really to be the perfect outworking of love for God. As he's brought his own son onto this planet and, and we put our trust and our faith in him and say, God, we believe. We believe that this Jesus who was risen from the dead and we've been told about for thousands of years, we believe in the work that you did. is a demonstration of love to God. It's not vague. And so from that comes this love for the saints, which is a really practical outworking. Easy to love the saints, right? No, not always. There's some saints who definitely are absolutely lovely and easy to love. But then there's the rest of us who the Lord is doing a mighty work in, and hopefully we are becoming more lovable. Uh, but God is doing a work in all of us. He says that uh, in Colossians as well, Paul says, you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has reconciled in his fleshly body from death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. But we're becoming that. And so God is doing a work. And so as we love one another, God uses us uh, to shape and to mold and so if no one, I've said this before, if no one in your life group is irritating, maybe you're the one. I'm just joking. You're definitely not the one. But God uses all of us and all our imperfections and insecurities and uh, just the, the humanness of who we are to shape and to change one another into his image. He says in verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. And so what Paul's writing here is that our learning to trust and believe in Jesus and our learning to love our neighbor is not rooted in our own, oh, this is probably a good plan. It's rooted and motivated by a hope that is laid for us in heaven. It's laid up for us. It's waiting for us. And we heard of it through the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you freely received. And so it's not a motivation for us that is grounded in, oh, one day I hope my ship's going to come in. You know, I'm going to be a really loving person. I'm going to be so generous when my ship comes in. But right now I'm going to hold on to every last cent and just tuck it under my bed. That is the hope that is just not founded in any sense of reality. 
Whether, whether our hope of being a lovable person or to be loved is founded in us producing perfect children is not a hope to be grounded in because our kids, Matt, they not always do what we want, right? It's all of the time. Hey, Jake, except Jakey. Jakey's different. There we go. But we can't have a hope in the fact that we're going to produce perfect children because, I mean, even though we were produced, we were not perfect, right? And so we can't have it, our hope laid up in that. Or sometimes our hope is laid up in finding the perfect spouse, right? Or being the perfect spouse. Not to lay your hope in because your spouse will very quickly tell you that you are far from the image that Jesus has created you to become like. But God is doing a work in us. But our hope of our trust in Jesus, our hope of growing in love for one another is based upon this hope that was proven when Jesus was raised from the dead. He proved himself. Then appeared to 500 people at the same time. How cool is that? You know, guys, you won't believe it. At three o'clock, Jesus appeared to me. And then there's 500 people telling the same story of Jesus appearing to them at the same time and to all of his apostles. And so we don't have a hope that's made up. We don't have a hope that's a fairy tale. We have a hope that's given to us with clear records from people who witnessed this thing. And so our hope is laid in something that we can cling to. It's something that is proven. And it's something far beyond just ourselves. Just as it is bearing fruit, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. So it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. You know, the gospel bears fruit irrespective of how much we back it. You know that? doesn't matter how tired we are. It doesn't matter how good, high or low our faith is. It doesn't matter how much we're operating on the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel will move forward. And so the story of Mix is just absolutely incredible, right? It's like, are you saved? Well, let me tell you a story. The gospel's at work, working in this person's life. And so Mick is being a conduit in a, just another step of this person's life. And so the gospel's at work, growing, bearing fruit, not only in us as liberty, but also outside these four walls. And that really is my prayer for us this year, that the gospel will continue to produce fruit in us, but also outside these four walls, right? Why are we gathering like this? Why have we started an evening meeting? Because we want to see this hall full, do we not? What for? So that we can have cool numbers? No, because every chair that is full means it's another knee bowed before Jesus, confessing him as Lord, confessing him as King, laying their lives down before him. It's the gospel at work spreading, gospel bearing fruit, the gospel growing in the world around us. And that's my desire. That our prayers would be like Paul, that this gospel would continue to bear fruit in the people and the lives that we engage with. It bears fruit and is growing in you by hearing and comprehending the grace of God. And so, you know, that's our job as the vessels of God, to take this grace of Jesus and to share it with the world. That we would share it in a comprehensible way, that people would understand what it means to receive the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's the enabling power of God, right? It's not just that we haven't done anything. It's that we are just the happy recipients of this incredibly kind God who's done all the work and will enable us to bear fruit by the Holy Spirit if we submit our lives to him. And so we get to be the conduits of that. Mick gets to be a part of that process in that lady's life to share his understanding and comprehending the grace 
of God. And as I look around the room over this past year, you may look at yourself and you probably think to yourself, yes, you know, I had all these spiritual goals that I had on my list right on your, on your fridge. Yes, possibly, possibly not. In the diary, those who write like to write. It's a world of technology, guys. You need to type stuff. I mean, I say that and then my iPad bombs out on me. Never mind, we'll back up on that one. But you've got all these aspirations of the spiritual growth that you want in a year. You get to the end of the year and not quite there, right? But the reason is that whenever we look at ourselves, I don't know about you, but I, I don't see the growth in myself, except in some areas. I don't see growth in myself as much as I ought to. But there's actually people sitting next to you, people in your life group, people in your life who are going, it is amazing what the Lord has done in your life over this last year. And so what that is, is us comprehending the grace of God in our lives. And so I want to say to any of you who are feeling discouraged that last year, perhaps you didn't really whack those spiritual goals that you had. I can honestly look around the room and go, I can see every single person here has grown in understanding and comprehending the grace of God in their lives. And that's a good thing. It's for us to be encouraged that this gospel is marching forward whether we like it or not. But I find that an encouragement because even when I'm not at my best, this gospel is doing a work in me. The Holy Spirit is at work. This grace, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the work that the Lord has done in my life. I really don't. But he continues to march forward. This gospel message continues to march forward. And my desire is that we would continue to hear about this comprehension of the grace of God in people's lives. So hearing this lady's story is hearing and comprehending a grace that God has acted in her life. We did nothing, right? We just get to go, how amazing is that? Because God's at work. And for us to continue to share these stories, and so we, we have stories of grace. That's what we do through the year. Well, SOGs, if, you, if you're cool and hip. Matt likes that. SOGs, stories of grace. We probably won't call them SOGs, just stories of grace. But they're the grace of God in our lives. Because when it's the grace of God, it's not us giving a testimony going, how amazing was I that the Lord acted in my life? It's a story of grace, as in we did nothing to deserve it, and God has just been so good. And so may this year be full of sogs for you, and may we be aware and comprehend what the Lord is doing in our lives. And be an encouragement to those around you. Sometimes it really is a small thing. Hey, the way you responded there, I thought you were going to hammer your child verbally, but you were incredibly kind. That is an act of grace from God. You weren't just in that moment going, let me now be a kind person. The Holy Spirit is beginning to do a work. So let's encourage one another in those and comprehend this grace of God. Verse 7, this you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. I love how Paul just chucks in a quick little, hey, and there's this guy. The grace of God is operating in your life. Look at this faithful minister, and then continues on and moves on to Jesus. Jesus is the center, right, of all of this grace, of all of this gospel message. But there are faithful ministers that God uses as conduits of his grace. And so Mick, the doctor, the nurse, all those people were conduits of the grace of God into that lady's life. And she gets to be the happy recipient of the gospel message. But the reality is that while they talk about Epaphras here, any one of our names could be inserted in there. God has a specific grace upon each one of your lives that you can bring not just to this community, but to the community around us that no one else can. I'm not going to engage with that lady because I'm not standing at the surf shop all day. 
admission of a specific grace to speak into those lives. And in that moment, I mean, would you have thought giving that person a Bible and saying, bring it back to me in three months' time? No, it's a grace that God would make Mick so wise. Because, I mean, really, if you get to know him, it must have been the Lord deeply at work inside of him, right? But each of us gets to engage with the world, whether it's in these four walls or whether it's outside. But are we available to be used as these conduits for the grace of God? And my prayer is that each of us would find that space of grace that God wants to use us in this year. And we so often, don't know about you, but we want, we want the flashy moments of grace, right? We want to be the, the Peters. God, call me out of the boat. This is sweet. I'm going to walk on water until I look into the storm and then I'll start sinking. But how amazing. The only guy other than Jesus to walk on water. But what about if you look through the book of Hebrews, the simple woman who let men out of her window with a rope is considered also in the book of Hebrews as a woman of immense faith. She didn't walk on water. It was surely, I mean, only Peter should be mentioned there. He walks on water. No, no, no. The grace that we receive is to be obedient to Jesus and what he's called us to in the situation. It's not for all of us. If all of us stepped out of the boat and walks on water, that story would be stupid, right? Well, everyone walks on water. But in our little moments of obedience to Jesus, we act out this grace that he enables us to in a specific person's life in that moment. And it is bearing fruit in our lives if we will be obedient to Jesus through this year. But we all want the big flashy moment when that person just suddenly lays their life down and just suddenly repents and fireworks. That's what we all want. And yes, we want those moments. But 99% of the moments of God's grace working through our lives is a tiny little act of obedience. Here's the Bible, bring it back to me in three months' time. And so I want to ask us to be aware and to be prayerful that we would be like this faithful minister, Epaphras. Then God, whatever moment you have for me through this year, I will be faithful in that moment. And so you may, may have looked at your year ahead and gone like, oh Lord, what, what massive dreams do you have for me? And maybe he hasn't answered you. What I want to suggest to you is just to perform the next act of obedience that he commands you to do. And it may be as small as giving someone a Bible. Maybe as small as giving someone a phone call. Maybe as small as inviting someone over for dinner. Whatever it is. Because the gospel is at work. Whether you do a great job of it or not, the gospel is advancing and it is touching people's lives and people are coming to faith. And so all of us will be conduits in varying capacities. Matt and Celeste coming on staff this year are stewards of this grace that God has placed in them for this season to be on staff and to serve us as liberty. And so I want to pray for them afterwards. I prayed for them this morning, but I want to pray for them again. That God would use them as faithful stewards in this current capacity that he's placed in them. But it's not just staff members that get to operate in the capacities that the Lord has for them, right? It's all of us. We all have a part to play. He talks about Jesus being the head of the body. We're all the body parts. If we all look like Matt and Celeste, it would kind of be a weird looking church, right? I mean, they're lovely, but God has an entire body with all different gifts, all different spaces, all different places for us to operate. And so my prayer is that through this year, we would find where God is placing us and operate that grace that only you can have. God's not going to give me the grace to speak to that lady and give her a Bible. He's done it to Mick. What is he asking you to do this year? And what is he going to grace and enable you to do? For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will 
in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I've committed myself to pray for this church every single day. To be filled, that every single one of you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If we are all operating in that space, this is going to be a phenomenal church. Not because we're amazing, but because we're doing what Jesus wants us to do. And that is the prayer that Paul says without ceasing. He's not ceased to pray that they would understand the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that's an incredible prayer to pray for your children. That God would help them to understand from a young age what his will is. This is so challenging for me. I don't know. Whenever you read this, I don't know if it challenges you. We have not ceased to pray. I mean, I'm sure he's actually ceased like while he was sleeping. But Paul has this heart attitude toward prayer. And now we're not all the charmians of the world who are praying 24-7, right? But surely that grace, that enabling power of God to pray should be growing in all of us, bearing fruit. And so I want us to ask the Lord to just give us the one notch up in our prayer life this year. That we're not going to be charming tomorrow, but that through the years of her faithfully serving the Lord has grown and matured into a person who loves to pray and understands the power of prayer. But that we may just have that little fruit this year, that small little bearing of growth in our lives, that we may become like Paul, unceasing in prayer, constantly at prayer for one another. Because what prayer shows, right, is that we don't have what it takes. That's what it shows. And so I would love to change government tomorrow. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Reg, I hear you, brother. Any of us going to do that tomorrow? Probably not. Who is the one who is able to do that? The one who places kings and removes them. The one who says, actually, in whatever capacity you find them, they're my servants. He's the one we ought to be praying to. And so I want us to be a people who are constantly on our knees, not valuing prayer for the sake of prayer, but valuing prayer because it gets us into the presence of God, who can act on our behalf and do amazing things that we can only dream of. And when we do that, when we find ourselves in his presence, he fills us with understanding what his will is and understanding and wisdom. And uh, these things are what we need to be able to walk out this walk with him. So that you may lead lives. Why do we need to know what God wants from us? That you may lead lives worthy of the Lord. Isn't that a massive description? Imagine the Lord said that of you. You have led a life worthy of the Lord. Imagine those words coming from the Father. You've led a life worthy of my Son. And the way that we do that is to understand His will. And then to submit ourselves and get on with it. Because it's fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. And so what we do here for 52 weeks of the year for half an hour is try and grasp an understanding of God. Yes, we try and say, God, open up this knowledge, this scriptures to us that, that we may understand the knowledge of God. But he's saying that you may also produce good work. So we're not to be just theologians who sit and learn and we're like, I know the Lord. I have a complete understanding of who he is. But it's like, now what? Well, get on with taking the gospel message out into the world. God has prepared good works for us to do. What does a good work look like? His Bible come back to me in three months. Oh, but isn't a good work opening an orphanage? Yes, for somebody it is. But maybe not for you. So what are the good works the Lord has prepared for you? And we grow in that as we understand God more and more, as we take these scriptures and say, God, change my thinking. 
Because I think very wrong. I don't think like the Lord. And so I need the scriptures to change my thinking and my understanding so that when that changes, my life can change. Oh, you want me to be kind to my wife? Why didn't I think of that? Oh, but the Lord says, I want you to live with understanding, not speaking harshly to your wife. And so it's not okay to just be a guy and talk like I want and say what I want. No, the Lord's got other ideas. And so we come. But it's only half an hour for 52 weeks. What's that? 26 hours, right? 26 hours in an entire year to try and change our understanding about God is not a lot. It's not a lot. But when the Holy Spirit takes that understanding and we sit before him and go, God, you've got to make this more than just an understanding. These things got to sink into my heart and it's got to produce an outworking. Then we start seeing this grace of God and this gospel message breaking forth into the world. We all want to preach these amazing preachers to the unsaved, right? And just see them completely transformed. It happens, but seldomly. What happens is the Lord uses us for one little moment of grace in that person's life. They take one step closer to Christ. Then they go bump into some auntie who's been praying for them forever. One step closer to Christ. One step closer to Christ. Until they're standing by themselves one day going, God, if you real speak to me. Wham in hospital and all these guys speak. And then I think I'm a Christian. I've had this encounter with this amazing God. But each of us gets to be used by the Lord for these good works as we grow in the knowledge of God. And it leads to a life that pleases the Lord. And so I want that to be our question. Whenever we engage with anything this year, our question is not to be, how far can I push the sexual experience before it displeases the Lord? Our question is, Lord, what I'm about to do, does this please you? It's a very different question. So, Lord, me even beginning to open this door, does this please you or does this not please you? Because if it doesn't please you, I don't want to go there. It stops us from reinventing the law and, and being saved out of the law and then just reapplying brand new laws to ourselves. What am I allowed to do when I'm dating? Well, that's not the right question. The right question is, God, is what I'm about to do, does this please you? And then that's permissible. And so where that comes from is understanding, having these scriptures changing our minds and changing everything inside of us. Because the scripture says, treat any woman like a younger sister with purity. That's what it says. So my changing, my, my understanding has to change. And it's got to make a practical outworking in my life. And so our minds are changed inwardly so that our lives can be changed outwardly and impact the world around us. He ends off saying, may you be made strong. With all the strength that comes from his glorious power. Not from your waking up early and having quiet time. Not from your vitamin B shots. That your strength may come from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience. His strength empowers us, not our own strength. And Matt preached last week about our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And may we, may we sustain that through the year. Let's not start this year going, oh, Holy Spirit, we're so dependent upon you. And the next thing we're rocking and rolling in our giftings, rocking and rolling and depending upon ourselves. Let's stay dependent on the Spirit throughout the year. The really difficult thing about this portion is that it says, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience. Now, there's a problem with the word endure, Right? You don't need to endure when things are nice and peachy. The Craneers have had to endure the last three months. And they're still going through a whole bunch of stuff. 
but it is God's power that prepares them to endure everything and not just endure it, but with patience. What does that look like? God, would you just get me out of this thing now, please? What his strength does is makes you go, God, this is really tough and really hard and difficult, but I know you're with me. And as long as this needs to take for you to transform me, in, help me to endure this with patience. And I'm not going to scream and shout at you, curse you like Job's wife, try to convince him to do. But it's to say like Job, what, am I only going to take the good? I'm going to take good and evil. Whatever comes my way, the Lord is with me and he has been faithful. And to be able to endure, but it takes his strength. This community has been incredible with the Creneers. I spoke to Audrey this morning. Um, he wants to come and give his testimony sometime. I said, only on one condition that you don't cry. And he lifted his arm and he said, I'm a changed man. So I was like, that's code for you. He's probably going to cry. <laughs> but that's wonderful. He wants to give testimony as to the incredible goodness that God has performed in his life. And we look at it all as going, what are you talking about? But he's endured with patience from a strength that doesn't just come from us as buddies. This community has been amazing. I said to him, as well this morning, I said to him something along the lines of, oh, this community is amazing. He said, you can never teach me anything more about community. I've seen it all over the last few months. And he's like, I'm unchanged in the fact that community is a beautiful and amazing thing. Um, and so God has done a mighty work there. And I think they are going to be a testimony to many, many in the years to come. But he's still enduring. That family is still enduring. While joyfully giving thanks. Right? Endure with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. It's one thing to endure with patience and grit, but while you're joyfully praising the Father and thanking Him, that is when you truly understand who God is. That He has not abandoned you through the tough times, and we pray to be relieved of them, right? I mean, is anyone here prays, Lord, please give me a hard time? Good on you. I'll support that prayer, but you're on your own. You're actually not on your own. You have a really loving community. But the prayers here is actually, God, help me to endure. That I may joyfully thank God who is doing something. Audrey, when we get to heaven one day, there's going to be something in him that we could not comprehend, the side of the light that God has done in him. It's hectic, and my prayer is that God would rescue them out of it. But God is doing something in him that we cannot understand that he may share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. There is an inheritance that comes through all of this suffering. We don't understand it, but there is an inheritance. And that is the hope with which we look. That is the joy. That through the struggling, we're going, yes, this thing is hard. Lord, help me to endure with patience. I joyfully thank you for your goodness to me and in helping me to endure this thing. And I know for some crazy reason that you have rewards for us. That thing still blows my mind. I, I don't understand it. It's grace, right? Given freely by God. But then when you endure by the grace that he's given you, he then rewards you. I mean, it's a winning, winning recipe for us. And that's what he's saying. Paul's saying, set your eyes on that. That Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, Aubrey's going to finally have all of his fingers back. His hand's going to be operating properly. There's an inheritance to be had, but something is transformed inside of him. That we cannot see now. And my prayer is that for 2024, that we would joyfully endure. And I don't like that because I'd much rather preach a prosperity gospel that this year the Lord is going to bless you all, double all your money that you have. For some of us, that's like I might need a little more than double. But anyway, 
But the real prosperity here is that God would empower you to, by his strength, endure what is to come. There is tough stuff ahead for some of us. But the beauty is that we never have to go through it alone, firstly, because God is with us. But secondly, there's this beautiful community that comes around and supports and strengthens us, and that there is an inheritance ahead for us. Not stupid money on this earth. It's wonderful, and for those who have it, and the Lord has blessed them with, we're blessed to be a blessing to those around us. The money is not evil. It's another conduit with which we get to operate the grace of God into people's lives. But it's not the end goal. The end goal is an inheritance that comes from Jesus himself when he comes to rescue us and collect us together. And what a day that's going to be. And he wraps up the scar, rolls it down and says, come, my children, come and be with me now forever. What a day that will be. And he is the one who has enabled us that. The inheritance is from him. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If we never receive one other act of kindness and goodness from God on this planet, we have already received redemption and the forgiveness of our sins, which is immeasurable. It's an immeasurable gift for us. But from that place, he then still wants to use us and says, come now. That, you did nothing to earn that. I'm giving that to you for free. Now, let's operate and let's work together. I want my grace to continue through you to the lives of others. There are good works for us to do. Not to earn salvation, not to try and prove ourselves, but to come from this place of going, we have been saved, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven. Now let's get on with spending the rest of our hours on this planet seeing more and more people come to that place of redemption and forgiveness. Can we commit ourselves to that this year? That God would call us to a higher view of this life. Not just our nine to fives, it's not enough. But in our nine to fives, that he would use us as conduits of grace. That people would grow in faith with Jesus and love for one another. As we land, I want to ask Matt and Celeste to please come join me. I want to pray for them as I did this morning. Paul's... uh, writings from Colossians 3, where he says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Father God, as we celebrate Matt and Celeste, Uh, you using them as conduits of your grace into this community, liberty. God, we want to ask that all this that Paul has written would be said of them, that the word of Christ would dwell richly in them, that they would teach and admonish one another and those within liberty with all wisdom, and that they would have gratitude in their hearts, that they would sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to you. And whatever they do in word or deed, that they would do everything in your name, giving thanks to God the Father. Lord, we ask that as they 
serve this community this year, that we would come around them, that we would give them our full support, that whatever they need of us and whatever they require us um, to do in order to see this community move forward in obedience to you, Lord, that we would throw our weight and our giftings at them, that we would make their job a joy. Your scripture says that it is a benefit to us when we make others' jobs a joy. Lord, we know that it is not just them that you are using this year, but we do hold them up as examples of conduits of the grace of this gospel that is going forth and bearing fruit as you build this community. Lord, as I look around this room, I'm just so grateful for every life and family that is represented here. But we know that you are growing this gospel. We know that every single person that's sitting here, you will use this year to take the gospel outside of these four walls and to see the gospel take root in new people's lives. That those who are still far from you would be drawn near by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God, would you fill them? Would you fill every single person in this room afresh with your Holy Spirit? That we would be obedient to all that you've called us to, that we would understand, God, what, it, what your will is for us. That in all these given moments, Lord, it may not be this download of, of this amazing information from the Father in a given moment, but that we would operate with this understanding that you are with us, that you would season our language, that you would empower what we say, that even the feeble words that come out of our mouths would have all the power of heaven behind them, because we know that your desire is that none should be lost, that you want all to come to the knowledge of the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so, God, as we consider the word of, that you have opened up to us tonight, I pray that it would grow our understanding of who you are, but it would also grow our faith in Jesus. It would also grow our love for one another, that we would work this faith out in the good works that you have prepared for us. Would that be said of Matt and Celeste this year, Lord, that you have worked a mighty work through them in the work that you have prepared for them? We commit them to you. We commit ourselves to you. We say, God, whatever you would have of this community this year, we submit ourselves to you. Speak clearly to us, we ask. Would you be clear in all that you have for us? We want to be pleasing to you, and we know that that comes when we are obedient to you. So we love you, and I just thank you for their obedience and saying yes to this call that you have for them. May we all say yes to whatever you have for us this year. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.